You know who this is. Welcome to the Pure Individual Podcast. Oh, well, I mean, we were having a conversation on Instagram about our roles as, I mean, what do you call it? You're a guide. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's interesting because I don't think, as opposed for, for some of us, for me, at least, I don't have like a, any real like designation it seems you know um maybe part of that has to do with my rightness but a lot of it is that i i do so many different things right it's it's not design is always in the background that's the profession but it's it's very different from you know analysts with analysts you know analyst work is analyst work for instance right foundation reading is a foundation reading and that has its value and, and you know cycle reading is a cycle reading so on and so forth those have their value uh, and, and that's analyst work but when we step out of doing analyst work we're not delivering an analysis becomes something different and for me with, with with my work that's very much what i do i don't do i don't do analyst work um, did I attend analyst school? Yeah, I attended analyst school. Uh, did I finish? No, because that's not what I, that's not what I do. That's not what I'm here to do. Right. Uh, and so it is interesting that, yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of us do a differentiation as a whole, right? We're not all going to be doing the same thing. We're not all designed to do the same thing. Uh, you know, I'm a purely mutative being. That's what I care about. I get, you know, I make my contribution. Uh, I mutate things, and and then and then I and I get my I get my success, right? Uh, I think it's you know it's so different from for everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we we definitely have our own roles in what we do you know, outside of doing like an outside of doing, you know, strict analyst work. Did you feel like analyst school was conditioning you to do it their way? Oh, that's why I left. I, I don't, I don't really feel like, I mean, just, I've listened to so many lectures from Rob, but there wasn't he was teaching information. He wasn't teaching you how to teach it. He wasn't teaching you how to um, transfer it to somebody else. He was just putting down the data mm -hmm. and putting down the data was super valuable, but then it's our jobs as these do we want to call ourselves second generation? I don't know. We are so yeah, we're 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 second generation. Yeah. Yeah, we're right. second generation. Yeah. Because we're like one generation separated from when Ra was directly teaching people. So yeah. uh a lot of the first generation teaches human design like Ra taught human design because they didn't have any other. Mm -hmm like model for how that could go and now that the second generation has come along it feels like we're making it our own 
and seeing where, like you said, we fit in, in terms of our own design. Like you're here to be like mutative. You say what you're saying, mic drop, I'm out, <laughs> you know, yeah. And yeah. I'm a deeply tribal person. So I'm like, how can I support you all along right. the way? You know, like, how can I be there to like hand you a tissue when you need it? How can I, you know, um, use this knowledge as the jumping off point, but then be really cognizant of your lived experience as an individual on this planet mm -hmm. and be like super interested. I am very interested in your lived experience. I love when I can look at someone's chart and hear how they experience that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. sometimes people just need to be witnessed in that. Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's that, you know, that was the main, and it was, it was important for me. It was important for me as somebody with need motivation, right? I, I have the educational motivation. I'm here to transfer knowledge. All knowledge is transferred through the fourth color. And so it was important for me to go to, to, to formal school. It was important for me to go, you know, through the institution, but just, yeah, to paraphrase raw, you take a, you take a pure individual and there's a four-year program. You put them in for seven months, take, they, they mutate it they go out and they go do their own thing, you know? And that's very much you know, what I did. I went, I went to formal school for like two years. And then I, I got to the point where I was like, um, I'm too right for this. There's, 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 there's nothing there's nothing about this that that is going that is, that, that is going to uh, uh that is going to work with my architecture because it's just it's not right and that you know what to do and i'm too individual i'm not going to you know <laughs> uh, frankly i never did any i think i think i did one one assignment the whole time that i was in formal school and my my instructors i mean it's very clear to them why i'm only going to do like the one assignment that i have to do right like <laughs> that i'm not going to be in in uh, study groups that i'm not going to participate in any of those things i'm two for pure individuals it's not going to happen you know uh, so you know the experience was was great in the sense that i needed to do that i needed to go through that experience and then it hit the, it hit the point where i was like you know okay, you need to follow this structure. And once it got to that point, I was done, you know, and, and, and it was, it was different when the, the, the teaching was very different among, you know, it is different among a lot of the first generation students, I think. And I know it was different when it comes to raw. I mean, you can, you can hear it. A lecture will be called something, and that's not even what the lecture ends up being, right? Ends up being about something entirely different. I see it with with me teaching. I mean, it's it ends up being something completely, completely different. And I, I have talked to to direct students, and and you know, there there is a there there is definitely for you know there is direct students that don't do things shamanically that don't do things the way that raw did and and there's almost like there's a rip between the two really like if we're going to be frank and just put it out there 
truth it's almost like there's a rift like there's those that still do things that do things kind of the way that they learn from raw and then those that do things their own way in a different way you know i'm not going to say what's correct or what's not everybody has their own authority but um for me that's the the shamanic way is the only way for me you know that's the mystical process is the only that's the only way for me you know as a pure individual is the, the only way to do it is is through the actual transfer of knowledge instead of the um and you know instead of something that's it's frankly uniform right mm. that's that's where we run into trouble i mean yeah of course you know for instance you know your your quad left there's there's steps to things but it doesn't mean that it's uniform right like it doesn't mean that it's correct for something to be uniform it doesn't mean it's correct for you you know um so yeah that was that was what what changed things for me i got a great experience out of it i love my instructors it was a good experience uh but I, at the same time that's not what i'm here to do you know it was very clear to me uh, even before even even entering into analyst school was very clear to me that's not what i was here that i'm here to do i'm not here to to do rave analysis work uh, and some people are here to do rave analysis work you know so it's it all we all have geometry we all have our gifts and our definition like you said you're tribal you can I, I i can't support anybody i have you know i have to be frank with my clients i'm here to empower you i cannot i can't i can't support you <laughs> that's not <laughs> what i'm here to do i i, I don't you know I, I i can empower you i can mutate you I, uh, but i can't support um and that just goes to show like everybody's going to have their of course their their gifts their definition their differentiation, their uniqueness to to provide somebody in the context of uh, you know providing human design services, providing outer authority guidance. Okay. I feel like I want to say that as a quad left person, there is this like I don't even know if it's a misconception, but for me, it still wasn't about studying it's still that still did not feel correct for me like the sit down and read this book and listen to this lecture in this order and all of that stuff mm -hmm. it still wasn't about that um my teacher Stephen, who you mm -hmm. met at the conference he is also quad left right. and so it was uh obvious to us why you know, our fractals collided and why he was the one, but he recognized from a very early stage with me that as a three motor MG on the cross of Endeavor that like I needed to do, mm -hmm. I had to learn through doing. Yeah. And I, I was on the roof already, but like, you know, <laughs> debatable actually i feel like we don't talk enough about how long it takes to climb up on that roof yeah i don't feel like i was really here until like 37 really yeah um so i was like mid roof climb and i there was also a lot of tur 
turbulence during that time. So I got to observe a lot of my process through this. And then the learning I did through doing was interviewing people in their process. I interviewed people who had been in this for 20 plus years to people who had met it six months ago and everything in between, every type, every authority, every profile, I went in, you know, I wanted to know what is it like being quad right? What is it like being a projector? What is it like being an emotional projector versus a splenic projector versus an ego projector? You know, like that, that to me was the most valuable and potentially unconventional part of my quad left exploration. But it, it helps me to this day because I can remember those stories. And when somebody comes to me with a question, I can just tell the story. Right. Right. Yeah, it's different. That's something that's really fascinating to me about, um, you know, being a bookend quad quad lefts and and quad rights is that we, you know, strategy and authority is everything for us. And we are very different in my experience with, with quad lefts that you're very, very, very different from the rest of the people in, in, in your quadrant. Uh, and it's interesting to me because it's almost like there's a, rel- a relatability mm. being an extreme. Uh, I'm I'm extremely comfortable being around somebody that's quad left and being in a war with with somebody who's quad left. Um, you know, one of my one of my one of my favorite drag students to to, to speak with is Barbara Ditlow. She's quad left. Uh, absolutely love speaking with Barbara and. It, there's there's a there's something of the binary that for me is 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 very special the, the binary and, and the way that that works uh, yeah it, in my experience observing quad left beings very different because there's not this piece of of rightness that the rest of the people in the quadrant take advantage of uh, or you know can take advantage of whether it's their view right or there's there's where there's this piece that they can take advantage of of, of rightness and so, so that makes things very different it's just like you know for me there's not this piece of leftness that i can take advantage of um so it kind of it, it puts us in our own category essentially well and i have no uh awareness centers defined so it's as like straightforward as it gets. Your motors, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and I have, I, those are the places where I feel like I focus the most in my deconditioning process. Mm-hmm. So I always saw it as woe is me, you know, in the beginning, like, oh, that spleen, if I just had that spleen, if I could. <laughs> Just be certain with that Ajna definition. Oh, it feels like understanding the solar plexus would be so lovely. <laughs> and, and I saw it as a disadvantage or a limitation. If right. you I was talking to my mom the other day where, you know, I told her many, 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 many times the feedback that I get from people 
is you're so neutral. You're so non-judgmental. You, you don't, you know, it feels so easy to talk to you because you don't have an opinion in a way. And I feel like I can start to see how that is a superpower in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have like any kind of splenic reaction to what you're telling me. My mind is totally open to whatever it is that you're saying. And I don't have any feelings about it either. So it is this totally neutral ground for you to share. The only time I have some reaction is if it feels like a familiar something to me. Right. Like, oh, I've had that experience in life. And then I can share with you what my experience was in the context of how I experienced it. But I don't, that doesn't mean that you have to experience it the same way. That doesn't mean that I think you should do what I did or don't do what I did <laughs> based on that. So it's interesting because a lot of the time I feel like there's a guilt that people take on with human design that says, I know I'm suffering I know I want my life to change. I now have the answer, answer, you know, <laughs> I just put that in quotes, answer uh, to what could help me make that change. But I'm just not making it. I'm just not, I'm not, my body's not moving. I'm not, I'm not willing to, uh, experience the discomfort of this change yet and then they're like adding a layer of shame to it because they're like well i i know my i know this doesn't feel good i know my life could be quote unquote better, better. If, <laughs> if this change, right? the mind will tell you left right and center that if you made this change your life would be better but I feel like I want to say that there's no timing for any of it so just because I feel like you should be there already meaning you're having a hard time <laughs> hello <laughs> you want to make that change yet nope okay i'll wait <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's that's totally and that's how this conversation got started between the two of us because i said something along these lines and then you said oh this is the point where i usually jump in and condition people yeah yeah. And I was like, interesting. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Can you share like a real life example of when this happened and what the result was? Yeah. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. And frankly that's it's part of why people come to me people come to me because there's something that needs to change 
something that needs to be that needs to be changed something in their life that needs to be changed and frankly a lot a lot of a mutation as a whole is conditioning and you know there's varying you know, some of us are more you know, attuned to it than others of course some of some pure individuals are more attuned to it than others in certain ways but uh, you know a lot of the work that i do has to do with the mind a lot of the work that i do has to do with the personality uh, a lot of it is race psychology and somebody comes to me and they're not seeing things correctly you know, I can be pretty provocative, of course, and pretty, pretty harsh on things. You know, projector comes to me and they're, you know, fifth color on the personality side in, in, in their view and, and in their nodal, in their nodal view and in their personality. I say, you don't have any hope. There's no hope in your life. You're not here to be hopeful. You're not here to have any hope. You can't have any hope. You can't afford to have any hope. You know, uh, and that'll hit that projector. That'll you know. That'll hit that person. And and and. But they have to hear that. And I'm going to be the person that tells them that. I'm, I need motivation. I'm fourth color. The people that come to me, it's, it's pretty much already predetermined. People that come to me have to come to me to learn from me specifically whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's if I have somebody that's second color, you know, I've, I've got clients that, that are hope motivation and, and possibility view which is very different from me right it's it's very different from me uh, and i have to hear them start to talk about spiritual things i have to hear them start to talk about possibilities all of these things that are not not what i am you know I'm, I'm, i've got a fifth color view i've got probability view i've got a fifth color body I've got fifth line behavior like yeah i'm a second line there's there's resonance there the, the spirituality is built into me but I don't think in that way. You know, the moment that I start thinking, hopefully, I can't see anymore. As a projector with probability view, I can't see anymore, right? And so I have to sit there and I have to make sure that they're not going in that direction. You know, you're not here to be that way. You're here to be spiritual. You're here to think about the possibilities. You're here to, to, to think about the things that... You know, from my view, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> from my view, I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here to see in the future. It doesn't mean that I'm going to break their possibilities, right? But if they think that they can see into the future, then I have to remind them that they can't, right? And so a lot of it is, is reinforcing that's not the way that it is for you. And you know, it's, it's very it's different when it comes from correctness, right? I've got a, I have a fifth color body. I have a conditioner body. That's what my body does. My throat's unconscious. I'm watching. It's not like I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, they're gonna get the good conditioning. Now it's that I'm watching this, you know, this is this, this conditioner body and this uh, unconscious uh, self projected channels do their work, do their thing. Uh, and that, that resolves a lot. That's why people come to me ultimately. They come to me to be mutated. They come to me because I'm purely mutative. Uh, you know, I, I really, I, I don't want anybody to come to me for support because I can't give that to them, right? Uh, but good conditioning, oh, I can do that. 
Yeah, I can do that. I got plenty of good conditioning from raw. I mean, that's, that's why I, <laughs> that's where I got a bunch of good conditioning, especially as somebody who's all right, I can absorb source material whole, right? Um, and that's also a funny question. People are like, oh, well, where'd you get your conditioning from? Like, I absorb source material whole. I get the full thing from raw. I get the full conditioning. You know, it's not a, you know, there's not a way to correctly give somebody good conditioning. If you're not conditioned, then it's just mental. It's not, it's not correct. There's no source frequency there. It's very different. It's not cellular knowledge. It's not a cellular, you know, it's not transferred cellularly. Right. Uh, And so when, when there's something that, that's, that that comes up that is going to be very very detrimental for somebody's process. Um, you know, I, if if I'm working with somebody and it's their environment, you know, I don't work very much on on the uh, on the design side in in the sense of of PHS. I don't personality is that's that's where my gift is is in is in personality. Uh, but it's very simple. What, what, what environment are you in? You know, you're, you're not responding to something. What's your environment? Of course, you're not responding to something, you know, and then, and then I'll condition them as deeply as I need to, to get them into the right environment as to why they need to be in that environment. And that might come uh, about, you know, in a month or it might come about in a few months, whenever that mutation blossoms, it's going to, um, but there's there's certain pieces where I have to I have to have to intervene in in the way that I do. I, I, the ten point five is the vanguard of changing behavior, and I have it in life force. So it's just I watch it play out. It's unconscious. I watch it play out, uh, and I'm grateful that it plays out because I, I do get to see uh, you know, quote unquote results uh, eventually in in somebody's process usually. So. That's when it happens, you know, it's not in the, it's not in the little things. It's in the things where I know it's going to, where it is affecting them presently and, or it's going to affect them in the future. You know, if I, if I project in the future with my probability view and I see what can be worked, eh, this could be a pitfall. So that's where it comes in a lot. Well, I feel like what you're talking about is for lack of a better word, the healthy kind of conditioning, because you can hear when somebody with guilt motivation is transferring to hope. And that's something that you can point out to them. You know, it sounds like you're being hopeful when, you know, you're here to be motivated by guilt, which is here to see how to fix something instead of crossing your fingers that it's going to get done. Right. I, is it okay if I share a quick story? This is a, this is a pure individual podcast. There is, this is no holds barred. There's no, yeah, you know, everything is good to go. (laughs) Everything's good to go. So I had a client come to me for a sacral session. Mm -hmm. And I love doing those because, of course, there's discussion and then we do the sacral session and I really help them to unearth their own truth. And, you know, I asked, what are we what are we 
doing a sacral session about, well, you know, I've been married for however long, we've been together 20 plus years. So I'm trying to decipher whether or not I would like to stay in this relationship. And right off the bat, you know, my conditioning says, if you have to ask, <laughs> the answer is probably nope. But obviously, I want somebody to come to their own conclusions and more importantly, feel comfortable with that conclusion, not be afraid of the conclusion anymore, because you feel confident that you're making the right decision for yourself. That's the whole point, literally the whole point. Right. And I asked, you know, what is your previous experience with human design? I know you had a foundation reading with somebody else. Yes, yes, I did. And then I went back and the second session wasn't so great. What happened? Well, I started to bring up my relationship and the person asked me if my husband was physically abusive. And I said, no. And she said, well, then you should probably stay with him because 2027 is coming and your chart is not built for divorce. No. And I was just like, jaw on the floor. What is going on? Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll talk about somebody that has conditioning that they need to unearth before they sit in front of somebody mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the that's the whole thing if, you know for me as somebody who's designed a condition that's going to condition is you have to have your own conditioning your own good conditioning right and that that that, that good conditioning is going to come from source that's going to come from correctness it's going to come from source material so that that can be transferred you know if that can, if the conditioning that that a conditioner has, for instance, if the person is is, you know, is has that type of configuration, and they're not correct, ooh, they're just an agent of homogenization. That's all they are. And then, and the, there's plenty of agents of homogenization that exist. There, there are plenty of people that that have, uh, you know, they'll have a configuration that gives them kind of the ability to condition people, and they're not correct. You know, I think this is where we see a lot of um, very tragic uh, stories and, and, and events that happen to people, right? Uh, people have to be very, this is, you know, ethics. People have to be very cautious when it comes to, when it comes to this work. I mean, if, 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 if it comes down to something like a, a marriage, or, you know, a relationship as a whole, but a marriage, I mean, I have a, I have a, an example for me. You know, I'll have a client that'll come to me about something like that. And I resolve their view and their transference. And then they come to their own conclusion and I'll see it happen. And I'll see them make that, make that decision. You know, it's not a, it's, it's a matter of, getting the client to a place where they're their own authority, right? That's the whole, that's what we're doing. Uh, 
and we're doing it in our own way, according to our own configuration, according to our own gifts and, and the beauty of our, our uniqueness. But it is, it is very alarming when I hear of things in design where somebody is telling somebody what to do, right? Because that's not outer authority. Outer authority is interesting. I, 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 very often I tell my clients, eh, this is just outer authority. I mean, you can tell me to fuck off. This is just interesting. You know, this is just valuable. It's just my own uniqueness. I'm giving you what I see. You know, that's why you're here. For me to give you what I see and, and you know, give you my experiences, but it's it's not not here to interfere with your your decision making process. You know, it's it's very different to to give somebody outer authority or even to give somebody the good conditioning that they need uh, in order to be correct in their configuration. It's very different from giving quote unquote advice, you know, or giving uh, an opinion because none of that's outer authority. That's all mental stuff. It's all mind stuff. And, and yeah, it's, it's not coming from a, a place of, of differentiation. Hmm. Well, and I feel like it further perpetuates this idea of it's not that bad, which I think is like, it's not that bad. The four most dangerous words in the English language strung together to gaslight you into believing that this sort of mundane, miserable existence is just how it is. You know, that life has to be this life has to be suffering, life has to be frustration, life. Mm -hmm. has the bitterness and anger and disappointment because that's just the way it is and that's just not it i mean in in, in that instance like in that 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 uh that experience that event with your client i mean that just it speaks to the the lack of the lack of knowledge because as long as you're correct post 2027 that's all that you need. I mean, as long as you're correct now, that's all that you need. We're not here to be concerned about survival. We're nine-centered beings. Does everybody get to live that out? No. You know, and that's just geometry. That's the way things are. But those of us that do, those of us that are in design, we do get to live that out. And we don't have to be concerned with survival. We truly do not have to be concerned with survival. And you know, of course, some people are going to be more comfortable when the cycle changes than others, you know, I'm probably going to be pretty comfortable, but I'm still across the planning being. I was still born during the cross of planning. Yeah, I'm a pure individual, but I was born in a, in a tribal time. You know, I, I and I, yeah, I'm, I'm a fourth line. I, you know, the, the two four is a tribal profile. It's inherently tribal. You know, there, there, there are aspects of me where that are very comfortable in, in this, in this, you know, in this cycle. And, and, there's aspects of me that are going to be very comfortable in the next cycle. You know, my emotional system is sixth color. You know, I'm a 55, six, six color. Like that's in me, right? There's, there's a piece that's going to be very comfortable. Like, Ooh, this is me. I, I have that. I'm filtering that, that neutrino frequency right now through my nose. I'm filtering it, but it's, it's, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for me. 
doesn't mean it's going to be easy for anybody and no, 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 not self relationship is going to make anything easier for anybody, period. It doesn't, it does, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if the person has all the resources in the world, right? And we go into the next cycle. That's not going to make their life easier. There, you know, you're sitting there taking in not self conditioning. I mean, nothing. There, there is, there's nothing that is immediately detrimental to somebody's process, like the people that they are around. Everything, everything. You know, Ross said, everything about our knowledge is that who you're with makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And who do you spend the most time with? Mm-hmm. Your partner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's your, you're spot on. It's, it's a, it's black or white for me when it comes down to that, mm. when it comes down to the people in your life, when it comes and, and the positions that they play, but especially if somebody's that close to you, your, your partner or your, your closest group of friends, there, there can't be a, they're not that bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that can exist. <laughs> it cannot helpfully exist. Well, I feel like in this case, obviously, destiny, there's no choice, all of that. So I can't look at that and go, like, it's my job to police that person. But I do feel like, in a way, the gift in that interaction was she just had this whole body experience of, like, I think that's wrong. (laughs) Like, even though what you're saying, is technically you even though technically you're the expert here I'm the expert on me mm-hmm. and I can feel that that's a uh-uh exactly right I can I can feel that resistance of somebody telling me that this is just the way it is and to like grin and bear it and mm-hmm. in, in that way it, it's almost like the conditioning the not self-conditioning kind of worked because that, that kind of snapped. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, no, (laughs) I'm not not going to, because before that, it's just this general atmosphere in society, right? The atmosphere of it's not that bad marriage, um, Marriage is fundamentally tied to morality somehow in the way that we've experienced it. We even use the word failure when we talk about how a marriage didn't work out. Even if it worked out for 20 plus years, it's still considered a failure. Yeah. So there's that general in the ether out there that's conditioning you. But it's not until somebody comes and says something that's so off base and that's so incorrect for you that you have the opportunity to feel in your body how incorrect that is in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing this in real time, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm having an aha moment <laughs> where, wherein I'm like, I was so upset about that situation. I carried that with me. I saw it as this horrific example of somebody not being you know on the up and up 
with right. information. And at the same time, I can now see the beauty in how the incorrectness was actually correct. And that's why it feels true that when somebody comes to me and they're talking about something that I have some connection to that I feel is not the correct thing for them, I can still see the beauty in it's not correct for me, but I have no say in whether or not that's correct for them. All I can do is present them with, like you said, you're actually, this is actually your motivation. Well, this, you know, perspective is coming from this, 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 and this aspect of yourself. Right. It's your open spleen holding on. Maybe it's your Ajna, open Ajna that wants to be certain, you know, maybe it's your open G that feels like this person has the love and the direction that you need, whatever it is, I can, that's why I focus so much on relationships through design. Yeah. Because when I saw the overlaid charts for the first time, I was like, this is it. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's, it's taking a look at, for me, of course, there's the there's the connection and the bond with the client, especially being somebody that's that's fourth color. I'm indefinitely tied to 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 anybody that that I work with. It's there's that aspect. the The lens, though, as a probability view person, right, is is practical, and it's it's mechanical of course it's, it's it's the whole holistic being right and when i can when i can provide the outer authority of something that hasn't been seen and that's my that's my role is to, i see what other people don't see right uh, where yeah there is this factor you know we're 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 all in these bioforms with these receptors and we're walking around with these receptors and we are we're very much you know we're very much here to get experience and to get conditioning you know and we are here to get good conditioning and the 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 conditioning that happens to us it's not great there is you know there's a lesson in that there there's a lesson that, that comes in that and very often in design, in my experience, at least, that's what pings a lot of people to me. A lot of people come to me because they, they've gone through some sort of a, a coaching container, group program, work with somebody where there was no depth, no cellular knowledge, no cellular integration, nothing actually, no knowledge actually getting transferred to them. And they felt that it was off. There was something that was off and they saw that and then they, so they came for the real thing and then they're okay with unlearning, you know, everything. For instance, I, I get it, I get it a bunch with, with my, with my MG clients, they come to me so they can unlearn all of this manifestor conditioning, right? All of this conditioning that has taken them out of their sacred response. And, and, and that's a, a lot of my MG clients come to me for that, to get them in their sacred response, to get them to see the beauty of what it is to be a generator. Yeah, because we know that not in the not self world and, and and how people will take advantage of, of the information, they'll take advantage of design and, and, and use it. Uh, 
a lot that happens to a lot of MGs. And, you know, it, it's when I can show somebody, oh, this is what you are. And I can show them the beauty of that. And, and then that's, that's what you are. And I don't need to tell them, you know, stop initiating. I can tell them you don't need to. Mm. You know, I don't need to tell, them to tell anybody what to do. You tell them what they don't need to do. You know, it's a, it's, it's an, it's an approach that I think is very natural when it comes to actual outer authority, because we're operating as nine centered beings and we're operating that way. That is truly when there's no choice because the, the no choice means that there's no choice. If you're in your authority, there's no choice, you know, particularly if, if you're operating correctly. That doesn't mean that the not self world isn't going to bang into us and, and send us on a trajectory, right? Because it does. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the matrix that we live in and how, how those experiences, yeah, there's, that's the binary, right? We have a, an experience, an, an experience where we experience something that's deeply not self or deeply disturbing. And then that can catapult us into the, not, not the right direction but the direction that we want to be going in or want to be experiencing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as an MG, I was at such a point of burnout when I met human design that giving me permission to wait to respond was just a huge relief, mm -hmm. which felt really good. It felt clean I don't know how to, else to say that it was just like so like a clean slate yeah as far as how to approach the world but I feel like most of the time when I am talking to MGs it's not necessarily the permission of waiting to respond it's potentially showing them how they get so far ahead of themselves because we can see that end result. We can see that like shiny thing at the end of the road. Right. But um, when the laser focus is on that end result, not only is the process frustrating and crazy making, really, it also doesn't really leave any room for that magic, you know, of, you know, I think thought that this is where I was going but now I have this other thing that I'm responding to and so I'm gonna kind of pivot I I remember having that tunnel vision as an MG of like this is the result that I'm going for nothing else matters totally. nothing else will do really totally. nothing else will do but this end result deconditioning that is potentially the the journey of a lifetime for any mg because we we have the energy and if you're an mg with ego definition that's what i was about to say that's exactly yeah that, that was exactly that was exactly what i was thinking was your mg with, with ego definition and you see that you know that thing that you want you see that goal that you want to achieve you see you know whatever it is you want to obtain and you throw your willpower towards it, right? 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, th I think that that's a particularly configuration wise, I think it's particularly difficult to be an MG with a defined ego in that sense. Well, or an MG with a specific manifestor channel, because there's right. only three, right? Only three. So mm -hmm. when you when you have that capacity and uh, the underlying theme of that thing that you're trying to accomplish is having impact. Yeah. Then the, the just like total, like the impact that I was trying to have before I understood what it meant to be a sacral being mm -hmm. uh, and not accomplishing that. I actually don't feel like anybody understood that as much as when I talk to manifestors. Right. How, how, I don't want to use the word disappointing because that's not a keynote, but it was like a deep disappointment in myself mm. that impact wasn't being felt in the way that I want, like desired for it to be felt. Right. And realizing actually that impact is all that matters when it comes to how I use my energy. If it's not impacting somebody in a positive way, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And yeah, those three, I mean, and we're looking at different themes, right? We're looking at uh, very different themes. You know, we're looking at different fuels, right? We're, we're looking at different themes, different fuels. You know, when we look at those, those, when we look at the travel circuit or the emoting stream or the feeling stream uh, and how that plays out mechanically is very different. And I can definitely, it's something that's really fascinating about design is, is how configurations relate truly, you know, the, that's how configurations relate. And when, when there's definition in common, right. Yeah. So I could definitely see that did, I mean, is it, is it something where now that you would, would you say that your, your ego definition where you put that would you say that it's it's more concentrated than it used to be now i feel like i have a much clearer sense of when that's what's running the show right like right. when it clicks over from sacral energy to ego energy right. i like I had a really interesting sensation of this. Uh, I was on a hike with my husband and the hike was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be like, and the end, the end result was this lake that we had heard was incredible, but it was hot. It was, you know, it had already been a long day and I was over it. And I just felt this like, this like 
it was like a light switch clicked off. Like I had stopped, I was drinking my water and all of a sudden something just flipped on and I was like, let's go. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and 10 minutes later we were at the lake, you know, and then this, it was like one of the most incredible views I've ever seen. There was no one around. So it was perfect. And, you know, he doesn't have ego definition. So I was like, you know, fueling for the both of us at that moment. And that can be now applied to a project or, you know, if I have a lot to get done in one day and I feel like I don't, I'm, I'm like low energy that day in terms of sacral energy and my focus isn't really there but like, I know it needs to get done and I can like turn that on for the time being and get that stuff done. Or I can use my ego energy to go, fuck that. I'm not getting that done today. And everybody else is just going to have to wait. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It works both ways. Yeah. And now, yeah, it does. I, I mean, I grew, I grew up around ego beings. My, my mom ego being my brother's ego being both have initiation i grew i grew up in and i've got a completely open ego so i grew up like in ego energy with no fixed ego conditioning and so i i understand how it works very well you know wisdom wise and yeah it's one you know it, 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 it can put in a lot of work it can also say fuck you i'm not working <laughs> not doing that <laughs> <You know? laughs> willpower goes from you know it, it can do something it can also keep itself from doing something and that's that's a healthy ego right i would say that in the beginning i thought it was my ego that saved me mm. i said that to a lock actually mm. and he goes did your ego save you or did it masquerade as your authority and I was like, ooh. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. It's funny when you get hit with those little like one-liners. Oh, that impact, it just the ripple effect of that was just wild, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it does. It it, it they're there are those pieces and <clears throat> ego definition is so loud, you know, I remember when, when my mom, you know, it took two years and then she finally asked me about design and it's, it's fascinating to see her off. I've watched the whole six line process. She's off the roof now and I've, I've watched, you know, before the roof, I've seen her on the roof, I've seen her off the roof and now she's off the roof. And it's, it's there, she's a pure individual, but now it's, it's apparent that she's a pure individual. Like you, now I can, now it's like, Oh yeah, yep. That's what you are. Because before it wasn't apparent when she was on the roof, it wasn't you know, in, in the sense of decision-making so, that, that was a, it, and all I had to do was of course, get her in the inner sacral response. Right. But you know, like, mom, you don't need to hold yourself to this because of your willpower. Because yeah. you know? so often she would hold herself and hold other people to mm. the ego commitment. Like that was the thing. It was, it was, it was, it was, 
you know, all the times that you get frustrated or you get angry because somebody doesn't hold that, you're only 30% of the population can do that. It's very rare. Like you, you can do that, you know, and that just, the gears start turning, you know, and it's like, you know what happens? Like when you get that good feeling in your gut, yeah, okay. You go with that instead of I need to do this because the ego is powerful. It's loud and, and it can drown everything else out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's, it, it, it can definitely masquerade as, as an authority. And I've seen it masquerade as an authority, whether it's tied to emotional definition through community or you know, splenic definition through surrender. Mm. That's a gem that a lot gave you there. Well, the way that I sort of saw it when he said that is that all decisions run through the ego. Mm. It's not like they go straight to the sacral because most things don't come to you in a yes or no format. Right. And so there's there's that sort of like mechanism that it runs through wherein you go, I can prove that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch me. And as a woman, I think that there was definitely that sort of like, you yeah. don't think I can just because I'm a chick? Yeah. Watch me. <laughs> you know? I grew up in that energy. <laughs> I grew up in that energy. I know it. Totally. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for many years, I worked with... Um, I worked with tools. I worked in a very physical environment. I did um, visual merchandising, which was very like it. I wouldn't say that it's a male dominated field, but there were times when the entire team was male and I was the only female there. And Mm. like, never did I ever give them a reason to be like, oh, Juji can't do that because it's too heavy or Juji can't do that because it's too high up on the ladder, you know? It was always lead by example. I got this. I would do stuff even if I was freaking terrified of it because my ego was like, you can't see the, you can't let them see you sweat. Right. Let them see that you have some like weakness about you because they won't respect you. And so a lot of that work for me has been, you know, softening right, and allowing myself to be in more of my yin energy, allowing myself to receive, not, not feeling like I have to do it all. I have to always be the strong one. I have to always be. And I would say that that was probably one of the pitfalls of my first marriage. I mean, yes, I understand. I'm a sixth line. I got married in my Saturn return, which was (laughs) interesting. (laughs) I don't want to say not advisable because obviously I needed to learn that lesson. But that was the biggest sort of like disconnect is that our roles were for lack of a better way to explain it totally reversed like I remember moving into our first apartment and I'm like with the drill putting together our furniture and he's in the kitchen cooking us dinner and not that I'm saying that women shouldn't use tools I still use tools all the time 
and I build stuff with my husband and he like loves watching me take over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. you're going to use the chainsaw. Great. <laughs> Have fun. You're 45, Happy 21. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also the like, let him carry my luggage. I don't need to prove that I can do it. Like, right. let him bring me firewood. Like, we live in the woods. It's great. Like, it's okay. I don't have to always be in charge. I don't always have to prove that I can. It's great that I can. He respects that I can, but men are very action oriented. And so, you know, as this, as this person who grew up in a masculine paradigm, feeling useful and feeling like he contributes something to my life, the household, all of these different things are really important. And softening into also being able to say like something is hard for me right now right I'm having a hard time with this or this hurt my feelings whether it's something that he did which is very rarely the case because we're very good at communicating or if something else is hurting me I can express that without filtering it through how is this going to make me look weak or less than or not competent in some way right um competence is a big thing with the ego of like well i don't know how to do that yet right (laughs) i'll google it i'll go take a class i'll do whatever it takes to be competent in this thing especially as a second line of like, either this will come naturally to me or I'm going to have to grind it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that's, that's been interesting for me growing up you know, around growing up in ego energy. I was getting conditioned by ego energy in the moon, right? Like uh, is, yeah. is that being, having a second line personality, being a natural being a two, four, being a natural and having a completely open ego proving's just never been my thing. It's just never. And I've, I've watched my, you know, and that's the serendipity of, of growing up around healthy egos and the serendipity of, of having a second line, you know, having, being a two, four. Uh, and it, it, it's always been interesting to me watching my mom prove things. And I'm like, why does she need to prove that? Mm-hmm. And then getting the knowledge of design and I'm like, Oh, now I understand why she needs to prove that. Now I, you know, now I understand these, uh, why we're so different in that. Because me, I'm like, I pick something up, not good at it. Yep, not doing it. I'm gonna hire somebody. You know, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I'm, you know, and I'm a projector, so I outsource pretty much everything. Uh, as a two-four projector, if I don't, if I'm not good at it, when I pick it up, I pay somebody else to do it. You know, uh, but in in the context of proving and and, you know when you bring up allowing yourself to receive what came up for me is you know as a man a man can only exercise what he is predisposed to give as a man if he is allowed to Mm. you know if 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 you know if the woman comes to open and this isn't say women can't open their own doors right but 
if a woman rushes to open the door, the man can't open the door. And if that's his, you know, if that, you know, me, I have the channel of awakening. I've got all these principles, right? I'm a 20.6 also. And it's a, I've got all these principles uh, and I can only exercise those principles as a nine centered being if the space is allowed for me to exercise them. Because as a nine centered being, I can't say, you stop doing that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so that was something that came up for me that I was, that when, when you were talking about that was, you know, for men, there has to be that space in order for us to, uh, to really exercise what our predisposition is in, in a lot of ways. Uh, because we're, we're not seven centered anymore. We're not, I'm a, you know, it's not, I'm a man, you're a woman, you have to be this way. At least I hope it's not, but you know, for people in design, it's definitely not. And so uh, there has to be that space, right? And yeah, we have grown up in an age where there's this independence thing, right? And then this conditioning uh, where sometimes there's like a hyper-independence that women feel they need to have this hyper-independence, which just destroys a man's ability to exercise what makes us feel good. You know, we are here to, we want to provide, we want to protect, you know, and that's, that's, that's in us. Uh, in my experience, you know, the men that I know, the men that I, that I put myself around, uh, want to protect, want to provide. And that has to be allowed. It's interesting because it, it, it can't just be done without it, you know, without it being reciprocal. So that was, uh, that's what came up for me when, when you were talking about your experience. I think that's so beautiful because it's, it's true that there's a certain level of independence that women have been told they have to achieve in the name of feminism, feminism? <laughs> <laughs> which I think is really just like the patriarchy, like sneaking in and kind of giving yeah this bullshit line of like you gotta you know you gotta do it like a man in order to have this hyper independence right. and now women are waking up to this idea of like we were sold a bill of goods and I I want my money back <laughs> like I don't I'm not I'm not cool with this and it also created like you know we're the question always comes back to is, is chivalry dead? Like what you were just talking about opening a door. Chivalry is absolutely not dead. It's just, I am years later still getting used to having a car door opened for me. Right. And I have to remind myself as we're walking to the car to hang back a little bit. Yeah. Of course I can open my own freaking car door. Of course I can. Right. But there's such an intimacy in that opening of the door. There's such a, a beautiful like balancing act that happens in that moment. And it just feels so healthy. Yeah. It just feels so good. And I, I never thought that I would look at that and go 
Yes, that is, that's the balance. Right. Because also <laughs> the context for my ego definition was also turned up to 11 in New York City, where again, mm. hyper independence and, you know, this get it done faster, better, stronger, just, you know, reigns supreme. And there's no room for grace in right. that. Yeah. And there's no room for, like, you just get so used to having to take care of yourself for such a long time that when somebody comes along and says, hey, I want to support you. Yeah. It, it's very difficult to let it happen. Yeah, it's very, it's very, and it's, yeah, feminism is an interesting topic for me as somebody who fought <laughs> a women's re revolution with, with women, you know, <laughs> because the, 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 those women, I was educated by those women uh, very heavily on, on, uh, on, on, on women for 6,000 year history and a 6,000 year history that's not a Western history, right? So a very different history that's, that's not uh, washed away. And they, they, they couldn't stand the way that the West was. Like it disgusts them the way that, that things are in the West. I mean, they'll, they can, they'll pick up a Kalashnikov and they'll go to war and they're, they're still feminine. Mm -hmm. And they, they can, you know, they don't have any problem, you know, they don't have any problem with masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. As very much, you know, we, we, we were in, we're in, we've got, we're in separate units. There's women's units, there's the men's units, women's units, men, men's units, uh, different, right? Different, both capable of, of protecting the people, both capable of, um, you know, cooking, both capable of all of these things, but yes, one, one is more feminine, one is more masculine. Uh, and when we take away, when, when we take away how we're genetically predisposed and we, we then it, it makes it, makes it, it just discombobulates everything, you know, it, 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 because for me as a man, I've, I have now experienced what it's like to be around women that are very independent, women that are very strong, women that can, that can defend themselves, that can defend others. Uh, still, there's the softness. There's still the, you know, there's still the femininity and there's not this hyper-independence in them. And I've also grown up in the West where I've seen this hyper-independence, um, but also an expect, you know, but also this expectation um, from a man to be a certain way, but not to be too masculine, right? It's, I want this, but don't be this. Be and, a man, no, not like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and so it's it's interesting that I have this, this contrast. I'm me, I'm pure individual, I'm second line, I've always been me. But seeing the contrast, uh, I entered into design like right when I got home, and so, it's been part of part of watching this through my deconditioning process has been really has been really interesting and to start to see in other people like as a projector watching right seeing watching where in relationships 
men aren't allowed to be men. And it's not that they need permission. It's, it's that you can't be one in that relationship unless that space is given. That's such a good point. It's just what I see. <laughs> That's just what I see. I like the way you see it. I feel like the, what you were saying about there being a time and a place for that masculine energy and then not really um, knowing where that is supposed to end, if you will. Like, I, I feel like within the household mm-hmm. where I see more of like a matriarchal softness you know your home is your safe space it's your it's your cave it's your castle it's your it's your wherever and so within the bubble of home that's where that softness is here to be the primary energy the yin energy because yin energy is nourishing it is life-giving it is um it is softer and more um, more receptive. And the yang energy is for out there in the world, you know, where potentially you're putting a little bit more armor on because there is an expectation out there that you are reliable and action-oriented and trustworthy and all yeah. of the things and that's where the that's where as a woman with ego definition I have to make that distinction you know of like oh it's time to turn that off now Mm -hmm. right this is the safe space this is the bubble right this is the place where that that's you know for me as as somebody that I am who I am but I I I I very much grew up with with the the conditioning of, of protection provide. I grew I grew up with the conditioning of you know, uh, you know be a man and be a be the best one that you can be, and you know I, I grew up in a in a culture and I also have on, on both sides of my family a culture of firearms and a culture of 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 protecting what you love and and military and 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 you know just out of the military context as well. Uh, you know, I was a contractor. Uh, I don't walk out the door without a firearm. You won't catch me even in the house without a firearm. I've got one in my pocket right now. I mean, it's just, that's who I am as a person. So the moment that I walk out the door with a woman, the vigilance is turned on in a way that it's not turned on in, you know, in, in my space. Yes, of course. You know, I walk around with, I've got a pocket pistol on me at all times at home, just because that's who I am as a person. Right. But of course, when I walk outside of that door, the, the, you walk on the inside of the sidewalk, I walk on the outside of the sidewalk, all of these, you know, the, the, what could be perceived as hovering 
is protection, mm-hmm. right? The don't separate from me. That it's, it's about protection. It's not about control. It's about protection. Uh, so even when I, when I, th- when I think about it in the context of, of myself, that, that changes you know, in, in from leaving, you know, the environment, uh, leaving, you know, the differentiated environment to go somewhere. That's a, that's interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that, how that works with myself. You know, I could go on about this forever. <laughs> this is such a good topic. It's such a good topic. Whenever, whenever, whenever you lose your focus. Oh, sure. Um, well, I just wanted to know, like, do you feel complete with the conversation as it is? Or is there something else in terms of a topic that needs our attention? Ooh. Oh, I think that we just had a really, really good one. I think we just had a really... I think we just had a topic that doesn't want to get talked about. <laughs> I don't think people want to talk about the, 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 the topic of, of hyper-independence and, and masculinity and femininity. I, I don't think that that's a, an easy conversation to have because it's a societal conditioning, mm-hmm. the doubts and, and, and all of that. And, But I think that the point is that the what seems like it is societal conditioning that gets, you know, convoluted in terms of its origin. The origin of the feminist movement, which, by the way, there's been multiple. It's not like there's just one feminist movement with one face like Gloria Steinem did not invent feminism sorry to say and what she was really fighting for is for women to have better reproductive rights and rights in the workplace and all of that stuff she just wanted women to get paid what they wanted to get or what they deserve to get paid not whether or not they should go to work Right. Right. Yeah. The, the, there's, there's been, there's so much, you know, it was in, when I was, when I was learning from the women's commanders, cause that's who educated me was the women's commanders. And when I was, it just kind of blew my mind being, uh, you know, growing up as, you know, a, well, you know, being American growing up as a Westerner. I mean, my dad is from East Africa, so half, half, I, I do um, have that influence, but is still the it just seeing how how much ideology has twisted things you know uh, and that there there has been these points in time where it you know according to my principles at least according to to um, empowerment this is awesome and then it's like this has a hidden narrative in it that's detrimental to everybody right there's there's definitely been moments in in ideology that have led up to 
the way that things are now, you know, and of course it's cross of planning and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, there's no overlying, well, this is, this is, this is feminism because there's all these different ideologies of, uh, and, and ideas and, and practices, you know, that are underneath that word. Uh, yeah, it, it has, it's, there's, there's differences there. Well, the reality is, is that like, it's not that all women or all women who consider themselves feminist agree on what that means. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's also sort of run through the lens of how men see feminism and then contorted to fit whatever that comfortable narrative is in order to play the game, I guess. Because if you think about what has happened to, for example, motherhood mm. as a result of what I consider to be patriarchal feminism, mm -hmm. right. I just made that up. <laughs> no, I know, I know what you, I know what you're talking about because I was. Uh, I can keep going. I know what you're talking about. So this idea that to be a feminist, to be an independent woman, to be a woman of value in this world, you have to forego the desire for motherhood, for example. And it has to be a secondary part of your life because going out and making it happen, initiating, right. the preferential right. way of being. And now we're seeing a whole generation that feel totally disconnected from their children. We're like, why are kids so depressed? What is this? crazy inexplicable new <laughs> mental illness sweeping these young children yeah like it's a joke if you really dig into it it's a joke but there's not like one answer to quote unquote fix it right, right? guilt motivation is like I want to show you the problem. Is there one general solution? No, I don't think there is. Right. I also think that, interestingly enough, and I've experienced this before, that don't make motherhood your center point. Don't make it your number one priority. Right. But definitely want to be a mom. Right. And there's the, it's interesting, you know, there's the not making it the centered priority. There's also the hyper independence and the centered priority. I, uh, I've seen this, I've seen this and I actually, I, I, I grew up with this, uh, with motherhood being the centered priority, but also independence being the priority. And then that, you know, that can rob that woman of any outward affection 
uh, and relationships and in, in human design we know how important relationships are we know how important it is to have people in your life and i think that that um, how that has that has taken hold in western civilization is particularly detrimental because um, it, it keeps the very much can keep the woman out of receiving communion receiving the affection uh, that we, we, we need to be healthy in many ways even on a even you know on a communion level on a, just on a communion level um yeah there's the it, it's almost like there's of course there's the duality and of course there's the balance but uh, as a nine centered being things need to be well-rounded in order for us to be healthy Mm-hmm. things need to be well-rounded of course according to our own differentiation but things need to need to be well-rounded and you know the, the that only being the centerpiece i mean if that's correct for somebody that's correct for somebody if, if that not being the centerpiece eh, this that's, that's correct for somebody i'm not going to say which is which all that you know it's just that the way that i see things through probability i can i can see what can be worked what cannot be worked and what's missing and what's not missing. And I see the communion missing. Mm. You know, I, I see what we're actually here, how we're actually here, here to bond uh, on the deepest level as a nine center being um, that can get lost in either of those binaries or in this, you know, that hybrid binary of the concentrated on hyper-independence and concentrated on motherhood. Well, I feel like every woman I know would say that in any given circumstance, you're damned if you do and you da- you're damned if you don't. Right. right. There's always some level of shame and shame, I feel like, is what keeps us the most trapped, the most um, in our not self themes, the most. Right. Um, in our suffering, in our pain bodies, and all of that, because, you know, there is no winning in this Mm -hmm. environment. So I am not advocating for any one thing. What I'm advocating for, as far as feminism is concerned, is for every single one of us to feel like we have the right to choose what we want. Right. And that there's no right or wrong way for anyone because that societal conditioning gives us so many mixed messages as women that it you you get lost in trying to live up to any one of these narratives, much less all of them at the same time. You know, I, I made a post about this once. It was like there literally there's no winning there's be thin unless curves are in be blonde unless exotic brunettes are in you know be Mm -hmm. uh be independent but don't be a bitch like all of these different um mixed messages that we've received have formed this 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 somatic experience of never, ever being secure. 
you know, I thought it was just me because of all of my openness that I have the insecurity, anxiety, and nervousness built in of um, showing up and being my fully expressed self. I, you know, that's one of the best things about communing in design is realizing, oh, you too, you, you also right. feel this. Yeah you know, mind fuckery happening to you at all times. And so you never feel like you're going to please everyone. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're worried about literally the mob with their, (laughs) their um, is coming to get you, whether you're a fifth line feeling like you're projected on, or, you know, if you want to know what it's like being a fifth line, just be a woman. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) there's, there's so many things projected onto us just because of our gender and there there's no one way to be female. Right. There's no one way to um be a nurturer. There's no one way to be a mother even. I remember somebody saying to me, "Oh, do you have kids?" and I said, "No, I don't." She's like, "Well, you don't have to be you don't have to give birth to be a mother." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just thought that that was so beautiful because yeah, I have people have told me, "Oh, that's a shame because you have like really sweet mothering energy and you would be a great mom." And I don't doubt that it just hasn't felt correct for me literally ever it was something that I was told I was going to grow out of yeah there's like oh you'll meet the right person and And want to be a mother yeah yeah it's something really interesting comes up for me so I, I I I have clients that work with me particularly because I have paternal energy Mm -hmm. and it is a way of working through their experience with men. Reparenting? In a sense, yeah, in a way. And, And when that does come up, it comes up after, you know, I've been invited and it comes up very honestly. And one time I was, it was in, uh, in an immersion and, and, and two women said, I'm getting a very paternal experience and it feels good because I haven't had a paternal experience from a man. And, you know, it's among people that are close to me, it's always been the, you're like the, you're the projector dad, <laughs> you know, the projector dad. And then, and then, and then Ra's like, well, the real children for the projector are the, are the energy types. He's like, you know, the projector sees all these energy types running around and he says, oh, let me guide these children. And he's like, cause we're all chaotic manifestors and, 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 and generators. We're all chaotic. And then that, and that, and then I, I see, and I'm like, looking at myself, I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of the way that I am. That's kind of me. Everybody's my, yeah. and then, you know, then I'll think about, uh, you know, my friend, Amy Ruth, uh, you know, came to me for some guidance about her emotional manifestor son and I grew up with a manifestor and you know I'm giving guidance for a child that's not mine and I do that very regularly especially when it comes to parents of manifestors uh, and so it's it's interesting because I'm giving out authority I'm, gi- I'm, I'm giving guidance 
I can say, and I, I can't say that it's the same or anything like that, but I can say that, uh, that me being who I am, I do get a, a sense of paternal fulfillment from it. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me that I, you know, I have women that I support, a lot of them are mothers. And to me, there's no better gift that I could give to a child than to support their mom in being a more satisfied, less frustrated, a more successful, less bitter, you know, a a more peaceful, less angry person. And um, that that just feels like a level of mothering that's like secondhand, you know? Right. Yeah. No, no, totally. It's like, it's, I was, because sometimes I'll get asked in in, in group settings too. I, 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 it was, I love my own jokes, having my, my unconscious self-projected channels. Right. And it was well, you know, this with my, with, with my child and did I say, Oh, I'm projector granddad now. <laughs> yes. Got upgraded. I'm, I'm projector granddad now because it, it, you're giving outer authority and it is, it is valuable outer authority. And that's, that's why they're with you. That's the geometry. And that's, what's beautiful about it is that you, you are the person that is going to give the outer authority that is going to make that difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a way, that's an unexpected byproduct of what I thought right. I was doing here. You know, right. I didn't, I didn't put that together, and that's the kind of like MG magic that I feel we get to experience when we're not so caught up in the end result of how right. and what it is that you're doing. And then getting to see how it unfolds and realizing, wow, that teaching a mother about their child through human design is like, (laughs) I I can't, I, I, I can think of very few things that are more satisfying Um, I had like a string of um, mother-son readings, like mothers with their grown sons. And it's the reason that they came to me is because they're doing projects together, which I just think is so beautiful Yeah, to help them see after 25, 30 years of their relationship being one way to helping each other see each other as human beings first and foremost and how the perception of this conditioned relationship is actually very um very different than what you thought it was Mm, yeah yeah and for both parties to accept that and see the other person for the first time truly see them that's that's the sweet spot right there (laughs) i think also you know the things that are unresolved removing the blameless you know you're making you know removing the the blame that's always been a 
a very large piece for me in, in my life when it comes to the beings that have been in my life is removing the blame uh, and yeah, that's been something that's just, that's, that's, that's been huge for me. Uh, now, if, if I've joked about it before that I don't look up to anybody at all. Like I just don't even, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I'm my own role model. I, uh, I don't look up to anybody, but if there was somebody that I, that I, that the closest person would be my own mother. She's a pure individual that she very much empowered me to be, I would not be the Brayton that I am if, if I did not have the pure individual four, six, you know, shocking uh channel of initiation mother that i have uh but i can see you know where the other relationships in my life you know it's it's uh i i can see where it's well that was them mm-hmm. and if that wasn't them then it would have played out differently. Mm. And that was the not self. You know, that that's one of my largest things with with, with clients too is, well, that's the not self. That's not you. Mm. Not you're not yourself. You did that when you were not yourself. Mm. You know, the, the removing the blamelessness, I think can be huge when it comes to uh, parent dynamics, you know, the dynamics between a child and a, and, and a parent um, is removing that kind of blame that that happens in that you know and that really gosh talk about holding on to to our not self theme mm. that can really happen with somebody with their with their parents is, is holding on to that not self theme um i you know I, I i held on to that not self theme with my with my dad i never not with my mother um and that's gone now that just doesn't that doesn't exist it's it's not there it's this was the geometry this is how it was meant to play out and that's something that i just always want everybody to experience in design is 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 seeing and experiencing the blamelessness of of certain things Um, not there's not accountability or you know not to erase any of that but to 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 see things as what happened happened to get you to where you are and then that was your geometry and that's how it played out and it doesn't mean that there wasn't terrible experiences it doesn't mean that something was okay but it does mean that you're a nine center being and and you are here presently you're here to be present uh, and and to have the experience that you're having right now yeah i mean it's such a gift the the blamelessness leading to repair. Mm, I love that. Such a gift. Yeah. Um, I feel like potentially the most successful part of human design for me has been my relationship with my mom, mm. which I always thought was pretty good. Right. <laughs> pretty good she's a two four splenic projector and she always made it safe for me to express myself you know even as a teenager I could tell that our relationship was very different than the relationship that 
my other friends had with their moms who suddenly became the enemy and the person that they kept everything from because it wasn't safe to be themselves. And so that started very early on, whereas I could be very honest and forthcoming. And part of that is that she is Hungarian, she's Eastern European, and there's like fewer moral sort of uh, dynamics that she was trying to keep me from like sex was not a topic that was off limits you know um I was able to be very forthcoming about like my extracurricular activities when it came to like smoking pot or you know whatever it was she was open to having those conversations and more than that she was open to listening to me express how I was experiencing the world not just because as a projector she was actually fascinated but because she loved being a mom you know she was that was her passion is Mm. being a mother So she was very present with me, but that doesn't mean that there weren't certain things where we just got stuck and we didn't know how to unstick from those patterns because we are such different beings, just so, so fundamentally different. And so she found out about human design like two hours after I did. (laughs) (laughs) So. She's been on this journey with me ever since. And there's not a day that goes by that we don't talk about it. Wow. Because I call her every day. Yeah. And there's not a day that we don't just marvel to each other at how much it's helped, not just our dynamic, but like our whole family has healed in such an incredible way that we could not there's just no I cannot fathom another way that we would have gotten there right I just cannot yeah I yeah yeah no I it's it's uh no I my family is fantastic like I when when other when when other people talk about their families and then I measure it against mine like yeah. The amount of privilege that I feel that I have the family that I do and the, how, how loving they are, how accepting they are um, is, 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 is really amazing. There's, there's, there's the experience though of being among and not part of as a pure individual. Mm. I can be among, but I cannot be a part of. Uh, and so my whole life as regardless of how, amazing my family is and how much how loving they are and how they've always supported me and always done their best to make me you know feel welcome I mean I I don't have words for uh how remarkable my my family has has been to me but learning what I am all of a sudden perception changed no wonder I don't feel a part Mm. of the family in, in the same sense that somebody else does mm-hmm. not designed to, mm-hmm. you know, no wonder I only want to be at, at the family reunion for X amount of time while everybody else is. I'm a projector and I'm a pure individual. 
I only want to be there for, 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 for so long, you know, I can only be, you know, in, in the group for so long before I start to feel interfered with, right? And among people that I love to death, that love me to death, that I, that I, you know, uh, it, it, for me, that context, and it's not that I was bitter about my family or anything like that. It's just really confusing when, when you have a family that is very loving, that is very accepting, and you don't feel a part of it. And so having that, that context of, oh, I am a part of it, but I'm not designed to feel like I am in the same way that everybody else is, right? Um, and by the way, you don't know how they feel, right. right? It might look to you like they feel like a part of the family when they actually don't. So this idea that we all feel the same way about something is already a misnomer, hmm. but getting to see how it's nobody's fault. You know, it's it wasn't somebody else's job to make you feel more a part of your family. And that's where the blame can dissolve and you can right. feel, you know, complete with that. You you don't, it, mm -hmm. it's a non-issue now, like you right. said. It doesn't, it doesn't live in your psyche as this like, gnawing little splinter yeah. in the back of your mind when you're at a family gathering going like it's just this all about the, <laughs> yeah the that was the thing that that always was that was always really confusing for me was there i can see that there's not a way that somebody could make me feel that way mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and i can also measure my mom, my mother's a pure individual, so I can also measure my family mm. and, and their interaction with her and their interaction with me. And it's always loving. It's oh, like it's it's always it's like there's not a I, I there's there's not a way I, I can't I can't conceptualize I can't think of a way that my family could make me feel you know any more love than they do because that's there the love is there it's the uh, you know, to, to, to be there, but still there's a separateness. There's still a, there's you know, individuality has this separateness uh, to it. And so that it just changed the, it changed the confusion, right? It changed the confusion and individuals, we blame ourselves before we blame anybody else. So, you know, initially when I was younger, it was very much what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Why do I, why, you know, why am I like this? And so it also, it, you know, there's the removing the blame from myself. Mm. Your individuals, the first, the first person that we blame for anything is always ourselves. We, you know, we, 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 we are not going to take it to the tribe and we, we don't share it. We're not collective. So we're going to blame ourselves for, for everything first. And so it, it's interesting because it removed the blame from me. From, you know, I remove that blame from myself. What's what's wrong with me? And also that it's okay. It's okay that I don't feel that way because they love me. And, and I don't think that they, you know, I don't think they perceive me to be um, not wanting to be a part of it, right? 
not wanting to be a part of the family. I, I don't. Uh, I, they, they definitely perceive me as very different, especially now that they know that they have to, they have to notify me, um, you know, at least 72 hours before anything. And then that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to come. I mean, it's, it's very different now, but they abide by it. I mean, my family's fantastic. They actually do let me know in advance. And they're like, yeah, let me, let us know if, uh, if you're going to come, <laughs> it's not a, they don't ask me to, to, to give them like a response, right? The removing the blamelessness from, from myself, um, even in, you know, it's just, it's interesting to me because if I measure it and I look at all, you know, these other situations that people have dealt with, um, that they're in, that they're working through, I know what it did for me. And I can only, I can only imagine in circumstances that I would consider to be much more difficult in yeah. certain ways, what it would do for them. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. I'm just wallowing in the juiciness of this conversation. It's good. It's good. It's, really good. it's good. Binary magic. <laughs> some, some, some binary and, and projector MG magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked when you invited me to really? come here. Yeah. It just came out of left field for me. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Glad. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm glad. I think it can be, uh, I think, you know, it's, 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 this podcast is interesting because uh, it's a pure individual podcast. All that means is that it's my podcast. <laughs> That's all it means is it's my podcast. It just means that it's my podcast. I'm going to do things the way that I'm going to do them. There's not going to be any theme for anything. It's going to be what, you know. Um, and it's, it's just to, yeah, I I think it, it encourages the individuality, encourages the differentiation and we talk about whatever. Um, I think that if some people that I could invite on, they would be like, Oh, (laughs) people that I know, right. People that, that, that I know, uh, that, that recognize me even because, because this is a pure individual podcast and anything could happen, you know? Um, so when I, when I do invite somebody in there and on board, I'm always like, yes, somebody is on board to come on my gnarly podcast where anything can be talked about in, in whatever context. And, you know, so I was really, really glad that that you came on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation and I enjoy all conversations with you really. So of course it was going to be good. Yeah, I know. I love it too. I love, I love all of our conversations as well. Do you feel complete Brayton? I, I do. Yep. Absolutely. I, I am, I'm feeling complete. I'm feeling the the indescribable high that comes from nine center communion. Right. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brayton. I really appreciate being here and just any time that we get to speak. It's always such a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. It is a pleasure. And I, I think that this is not going to be the only time that you're on the pure individual podcast. (laughs) thank you so much thank you Brayton